Welcome back to the Two Clip Line uh, podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Bellman, and uh, today I'm bringing on my guy, uh, Omar Ijaz, uh, a friend of mine who is a uh, follows basketball in the NBA religiously uh, and has joined for the mock draft last year. He couldn't make it this year, but he really wanted to step up and find a way to get back on, and so we're going to talk uh, NBA draft wrap-up, and we're also going to kind of pre- preview what we expect to see here once free agency kicks off in just a couple hours from when we're recording this. I'll record Sunday morning. And so without further ado, I'm going to get right into the interview with Omar. And here I am um, with on the line with me is Omar to talk NBA draft and free agency. How are you doing, Omar? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Good. Pretty, pretty good. I'm excited for this uh, 6 p.m. kickoff, although we have had a lot of stuff get reported. But before we get to the free agency stuff, we're going to start and kind of recap what happened in the draft, what were our thoughts. Um, just uh, before we get into the specific categories that we've got planned out, do you have any specific thoughts on the draft? You thought this was a good draft, bad draft, there was a lot of trades. What, what do you kind of take from it if there's any like one big overarching pull? Well, I don't want to jump ahead, but um, I really like what the Hawks did. Okay. Um, they kind of took who I wanted the Wizards to take, and um, yeah, I just think uh, is it Travis Schlank? How do you say his last name? Yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. Schlank. Schlank. Is, yeah, yeah. He's, he's done an incredible job. They're going to be a fun team to watch next year on League Pass. Obviously, they probably won't get a, a yeah. lot of national television spots, but um, yeah, that's kind of my big takeaway from it. They kind of stole the player who I wanted the Wizards to take. <laughs> So. Yeah, I think um, I think for my for what I thought, I thought we had we saw a couple uh, situations where our teams pit went ahead, and we we saw a, the move away from picking for fit, and we saw a lot of best player available picks get made, um, and kind of a, a tendency towards that. We saw you know a lot of the younger teams, some of them have seemed to have their ducks in a row. The teams with ex- general managers who seem to know what they're doing and are experienced seem to have gotten their teams lined up and are and are pushing them forward and the and according to a plan, and then we had some other teams towards the lottery that just um, kind of are still seem to be just kind of grasping at straws, and I don't know how much they have figured out at this point. And then we even had a team without a general manager make a make a significant pick that is either going to pan out or look terrible uh, a couple years down the road. And then um, also, we'll talk about it more when we get there, but I, I thought we had some veteran teams that just made some questionable picks, in my, my opinion, that just... Uh, were kind of out of character, um, if I would say so, um, about how they kind of approached who they had based on where they were drafting. But we'll get into those uh, specifically as we go. We're, we're going to start off with uh, who we thought was the biggest steal of the draft. Um, so I'm going to throw it to you. Um, who was who your biggest steal? Who do you think got the best best pick? Well, I know who your biggest steal was, so I picked someone different. Um but I really, I really like Brandon Clark at twenty one for Memphis, just mm-hmm. as an overall fit perspective. Next to Triple J, and obviously you have John Moran coming in now. I just thought that was a really good pick. I thought he could have went in the mid teens, so I think he, his stock kind of fell a little bit. I think he was the he's the best player to get drafted from Gonzaga. We'll get to that a little later. <laughs> um, I also I was pretty high on uh, Seku. I'm gonna. Butcher's last name, Diem Diem Bayou. Yeah. Um, obviously, me and you were huge Pascal guys. I see a little bit of that in him, and uh, 
I got a little enamored by his three-point shooting from those videos you always see floating around that you're not supposed to, you know, be impressed by anymore. But um, that was one of his weaknesses and to see him kind of knock those down, get in the rhythm, you know, and to see him actually working at it at such a, at such a young age seemed promising. So those two guys just from Seku from like an upside perspective and Brandon Clark from a fit perspective for the Grizzlies, I think they're doing a good job building that core out. Yeah, I um um I definitely agree on the Brandon Clark pick. I don't think I, I didn't make him my best steal, but he's definitely up there. I just thought it was such a deft move of the Grizzlies to get back in the first round, make that pick. He's going to pair perfectly with Jaron Jackson. And then you got these two young bigs who are smart, athletic, can play offense and defense, uh, setting up behind uh, Ja Moran and kind of kind of putting him in a good position to play make and be comfortable offensively and also to help bring him along defensively with some help um, behind him, which is good. Um, I, for my biggest deal, I had Nasir Little. Um, I have him because for where he where he was picked, I think this is just a huge value over pick slot. Like, you know, I know there's there's significant questions about Nasir Little, and I have my I have questions myself. Is the shooting is the shooting real? Is it not? How is his feel for the game? Does he even know the depth of the game well? Has he got a good feel? Those are significant questions, and I definitely have them. But even with those questions, I would have picked him in the mid-teens, and to see him drop all the way to 25, I think is just an absolute steal for the Blazers. I think he's going to fit a need um, next to McCollum and Damian Lillard and make plays you know, in advantage situations, and they can bring him along, teach him how to shoot, get him locked in, and I think he, he you know, obviously his athletic tools are, are out, of the wor- out of this world, and they're, they're going to really benefit him and kind of give him some time to learn the game and hone his, his skill base just because of the base athletic that he has, which I, I'm excited for, and just when it comes to value over what you're expecting to get at that pick, I would not expect the type of value usually to come out of the 25th pick as what they got. Um, and then, yeah, and at the very least, he, he becomes a great slasher and you know a really good defender at the very least. Yeah, you know, it, if he doesn't develop that consistent jump shot, exactly. Um, and then on Siku too, I think. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't like to look too much into the workout videos, but he's got. He's. It looks like the base when you watch him, even in the international game, he's got a lot of good stuff. You know, a little bit of Pascal in him, maybe. You know, he kind of plays this this style that we're seeing a lot of the athletic foreign guys play. But also, if that shooting is realistic, that's going to be a huge pick. I think the only reason I'm deflated more on that pick is I've just kind of come to this point where like I think there's certain teams that no matter how how well of a pick they do, I'm just going to question if that player is going to be able to reach his potential just because of the track record we've seen the last couple years. And I think Detroit is one of those teams where I'm just like, I'm really excited that he went there, and I think that's a good value pick for them, but I don't have confidence in them to develop him and get him to his best level. That's fair. That's uh, definitely a fair uh, criticism of like the Detroit franchise in itself. Yeah. And I had the same qualm last year with the Magic getting Mo Bamba and obviously – with the logjam there with Vujovic, so yeah, yeah, we'll talk about. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll talk about Vujovic in, in the free agency section. But saying I have their same words about my guy Chuma from Auburn getting picks there. They already have a lot of big, long, athletic three-four types. Like, yeah, I'm he, getting picks that high is great for him, so that he has an opportunity to rehab and get back. But again, I don't think the Magic are a good fit, and I don't know how well they're going to develop him. So, but. We don't need to dwell on that uh, too long. Uh, next up we're going to have is the biggest reach. 
um, and we both shared one um, on here, and then we'll talk about the second one for each of us, but we both uh, have Cam Johnson as one of our top reaches, and so um, I know why I have him there, and I'll kind of go into that a little bit more, but why do you put Cam Johnson as one of your biggest reaches? You know, I actually liked Cam Johnson going into the draft just because, I mean, he's a shooter, and obviously you can use shooters in this league, but... It was just a super baffling move to me to move back from from six to eleven, I believe it was. Yep. And they could have, I mean, they kind of had their pick there between they wanted to go best player available, which I thought was Clover at that point, or if they wanted to get uh, a point guard, which seems to be a, a team need there. They could have gotten Kobe White to play fast paced offense there, pair him with. Um, kind of like the young dynamic wings they have. But, um, yeah, that was just baffling to me. So I didn't really understand why they they moved back from that position to, to draft uh, Cam Johnson. They drafted Ty Jerome at 24. If they really loved Cam Johnson, they could have taken him at 24 instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was just really baffling to me. I thought he'd be, be probably long somewhere in the, in the uh, early to lower 20s yeah. rather than a lottery pick. I think even Kobe White was <laughs> confused by that pick. Yeah, well. I um, I have to agree with every point you made there. Um, I, I, I talked to a guy who, write, who covers the Suns for the Athletic CJ. He's been on this podcast before, and we were going back and forth on this pick, and he was trying to be positive about it. And his question was, why are you so negative? And I think the base of my negativity about this pick is you could have gotten Cam Johnson at 24 when you traded back into it. You might have also been able to get him at 32 had you not dealt that pick away um, in the in the deal to move TJ Warren. And that's that's where my issue comes from. It is you could have gotten that value so much further and so much later in the draft where you also had picks and you could have bought a pick for less. You could have used the six pick for something better. You could have used the 11 pick for something better. And I just think that you know, we're talking about what you're going to get, the value you're going to get at certain spots. And I just think they, they picked a guy that, you know, we know what he can do well. He can shoot. But outside of that, I'm not sure what else he could bring to the NBA. Um, I think that the Suns are probably going to play him out of position because he's more of a shooting guard, even though he's big. But I think he's going to get played down low in the three or four slot. And I and I don't think he'll be able to hold up down there. He has He has significant back issues. He has hip issues. Um, he's an injury risk, he's a worry, and I just think at 11, that's a huge gamble to take on a guy who was projected in the late 20s, and theoretically, you probably could have gotten anywhere between 24 and 32 where you had a pick, and so the, the decision to take them take them where they did is, where, is why I assign so much negative value uh, to this pick, because you just could have gotten it somewhere else. Also, he's an older, an older yeah. kid, too. He's, I think he's the same age as Devin Booker, which, Yeah, I mean... I, I don't know. I'm not trying to be ageist or anything here, but it seemed like uh, he he is who he is at this point. Uh, unless I mean, he magically uh, develops more of his game. But I mean, as a, as a, just a pure shooter at this point, I don't I don't think he's worth the. And like you mentioned with the injury risk, I don't think he's worth that 11th pick. Yeah, yeah. I think I think our, our views are aligned to there. Um, so we each had an, an extra reach, and so um, I can start with mine for this one. Um, I had Rory Hachimura as the other reach for me, um, and the, the Wizards taking him at nine. I mean, Hachimura obviously has some great tools. 
Um, I think there's significant upside for him. I'm just not sure if nine is the place to take him with that upside. He is also a little bit older on the age spectrum. I do expect him to develop because he's clearly like still getting used to the used to the game. Um, and he was great at Gonzaga. He could shoot the ball. He could do a lot of stuff well. I just, again, for me, this is a reach because I think you probably could have gotten Hashimura further down. And if that was the guy the Wizards really wanted, they could have traded down and picked up some extra assets, with which they're desperately going to need going forward. But instead, they took him where they were at, where they were at, and I think that's where we've got some flaws in the decision making process because you could have gotten him other places. Uh, as a Wizards fan, how do you feel about Hachimura there? I mean, initially, I was really upset with the pick because Cam Johnson was still on the board, and I feel like he has higher upside to say the least. You mean Cam? Than do you mean Cam Reddish? Sorry, sorry, Cam Reddish. Yeah, yeah. my mistake. Uh, not Cam Johnson. Um, yeah, so Cam Reddish was still on the board. I, that was through and through the guy I wanted the Wizards to take. Even though I wasn't as high on Cam Reddish, but at nine, it seemed like a good value pick. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I understand the Rui pick. I, I think it's, like, the the cynic in me says that Ted wanted this guy because... I mean, he's a Japanese phenomenon, and he's going to bring that whole international market with him. Like, I mean, Ted's a business guy, and I mean that I, I have to think that has to play a role in all of this. Mm-hmm. Taking him number nine, like now you have a whole country that's going to tune into Washington Wizards games just to see what Roy's going to do. Um, and that's not to say he's not a good player, but like you said, definitely could have traded back for him and picked up a couple of assets along the way if that's the guy you really wanted. And while Cam Reddish was still on the board, I would have loved to hear their reasoning on why they didn't take Cam Reddish because we're not in the position to win now. So like, mm-hmm. we could we can wait for a player to develop. So it didn't it didn't make complete sense to me other than the the whole international appeal. Yeah, I mean, and that is significant appeal. I'm sure it'll line Ted Leonis's pockets a little bit more this this year while they struggle. But for the long term health of the franchise, might not have been the best pick. But you know, he could. Could turn out uh, turn out well. There was a uh, the famous scout man Twitter guy who goes after people relentlessly. Wrote an article saying he's going to be probably the next Giannis, which might I think is a little bit of a stretch. But hey, Chomsky said he was Kawhi Leonard. So yeah, you know everyone seems to just just assign very high value to Rui. So maybe maybe we're missing something. But I still feel like uh, it's tough to not call this a stretch. Um, all right, so for our final stretch, you had one more. Uh, why don't you dive into who it was and, and why? Uh, my final reach, I believe, was Jordan Poole. Mm-hmm. I think the Warriors took him at... 28. 20, 28, yeah. And, uh, I mean, most projections I saw him getting taken in the 40s. They also had picks around that... Uh, around that uh, number so I feel like they could have gone with someone else there. Also, just super unpolished player at, in the, at twenty eight. I feel like they could have gone someone a little more polished there. I, maybe they had to see a little on their board and they kind of scrambled to just pick someone at that point. But um, I mean, I, I just don't think this guy like really feels or thinks the game very well. I mean, he can. He can get a bucket at some points, but then at some points he, I don't know, he looks like he doesn't know where he's at and can't really take care of the ball. I mean, obviously he's not going to have that much responsibility on the Warriors, but they're typically good at 
obviously dra- drafting and building uh, pl- uh, building their team through the draft and developing players. Uh, so, I mean, maybe this works out, but to me it's kind of a head-scratcher when you have picks where where this guy was projected to go. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that was one of the more confusing things that I saw happen in the draft, too, and I was going to hit on it here as well. I just, you know, they traded, the Warriors ended up trading up for two different second-round picks, 39 and 41, and I think you could have gotten Jordan Poole at both of those spots. So the the I, I, I'm, I'm confused why they were so committed to taking him this high. Again, it's another situation where just like the Suns and just kind of like we talked about with the Wizards, they took their guy when he was clearly would have been available later. Um, and they could have gotten a better player at their at 28, or they could have traded 28 and gotten some more assets or something, or gotten cap relief or whatever, whatever have you. Um, and so I think that um, was just significantly questionable. And you know what? He might work out. Maybe he figures out how to play defense. He's a good shooter. He gains some creation ability, and then um, it works out for them. Um, but at the same, but at the same time, it's just the the confusing nature of the, your choice to take him where you did. And another, um, before we move on uh, to covering teams in general, another situation where this happened in the first round was with the Spurs taking Luka Semanic from Petrol Olympia overseas. Many mock drafts had that guy going in the 30s and 40s, and I don't know a ton about him, um, but it seems pretty clear that the Spurs probably could have gotten him later, but they took him at 19. Um, where there was many guys who could probably help him them a little bit more on the board at 19, and then if you take someone else at 19, maybe you can take that guy, that guy, Luca, at 29, or you can take him in the in the second round when you had a pick. Um, it just seems like there's a lot of teams that, for whatever reason, were really obsessed with their guy, and they were going to get their guy no matter what. And I think it's going to hurt them um, in the long run. Yeah, I, I, some. Some uh, GMs kind of just fall in love with players, and uh, they want to make sure they, you know, they grab their guy. And I mean, sometimes it just happens like that, and the rest of us are just out there left thinking on like what the hell was going on, you know? Like, yeah, Tybal Tybal went right after that pick. I w- I thought the Spurs were definitely going to take him because he seems to fit the mold mm-hmm. of like a a player that that Pop and RC would love, but, I mean, I don't know. They, they must see something in this kid that we don't. They must, or they, they, maybe he might, maybe he's a draft and stash candidate or something. We, we will see. But, yeah, like I, like I agree with you, and, and we'll, we'll never know what was going on inside the war rooms, and so because of that, we're just going to leave scratching our heads unless one of these, these, these picks just kind of pops off and, and exceeds expectations by a large margin. But... Um, moving on uh, from there, we'll get into which teams had the best overall draft. Um, again, we agreed on one of them, um, and then you had an additional one that I hadn't listed. So why don't we go in? Um, we kind of talked about Memphis a little bit already. Um, so why don't we start with uh, the other team that you had as having the best team draft? I mean, yeah, New Orleans. Uh, I mean, they weren't supposed to have the first pick. They got, you know, they got their guy Zion Williamson after. Uh, AD kind of pouted his way out of uh, out of New Orleans. I mean, it, which he had every right to do, but I just think the whole way he was kind of uh, broached and the whole way kind of the clutch sports and Rich Paul kind of uh, concocted this whole move. was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's just not the way I would have gone about it. and It, didn't, it, it lacked a, 
I liked a certain tone of professionalism. Um, with that aside, they got their guy, Zion Williamson. Uh, I like the Jackson Hayes pick at eight as well. Uh, that's someone who, if he was still on the board and the Wizards took him, I wouldn't be too upset at. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think like the the common comparison is Jared Allen, um, just like kind of a skinnier center who's who's gonna get dunks and get dunked on sometimes, but sometimes he's gonna he's gonna make some amazing blocks as well. And he's a young kid who I can see develop alongside Zion as well. And then. At 17, they got a Swiss Army knife from Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, cousin of Shy uh, on the Clippers. So yeah. if he if he uh, if he has any Shy in him, then that that'll be a, a good pick as well. Um, yeah, I I, I like what they did there in the first round. Yeah, I um I agree for sure. I think um the Zion pick kind of speaks for itself. But on top of that. Uh, I really like Nikhil Alexander Walker and what he's going to bring. I think he's going to fit in well with what their team is going to is looking like at this point with the the crop of Lakers rookies, and then we'll see what they do in free agency. There's been some rumors that they're gonna, that they're going to make a hard push for Horford. That would be kind of that would be kind of a coup for them because Horford can mention mentor Jackson Hayes, and you know what Horford, Drew Holiday, and some young pieces that can all contribute. Maybe they sneak into the playoffs, and then that that's even that's even crazier if that happens. Um, and I think that's exciting. Uh, for them and I just like kind of how the pieces they're all putting around not only Zion but just what else they have on the roster just all seems like they're going to fit well together and they're going to play a certain style of basketball and it's going to be exciting and they're committed to that which is good I mean that's kind of like what Schlank is doing in Atlanta where he's like we're going to play a certain style of basketball and we're going to get guys that fit that style but are also good and once and I feel like teams that commit to that um kind of help themselves out more than anything Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write in Horford just yet to the Pels oh. because there's just a lot of smoke <laughs> and cloud around that whole situation. Oh, for sure. I just, I just see it as a possibility. I, I actually, I don't think I, I, I don't expect it to happen. It would not be my prediction, but it seems to be a possibility, which is interesting um, in its own. Um, but. Uh, like I said, we'll we'll get there, and we'll probably know, you know, in the next couple hours where Horford's going to go. It's, he seems like the type of guy to move quickly um, and kind of get this whole thing over with. But the other team that we both ha- both had that needed uh, mention as having the best team draft was uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. We talked about the fit and the value at Brandon Clark at twenty one. I like John Morant at two. I like his passing ability, and then I think we can kind of buff around the edges. My biggest worry about him is uh, kind of his size um, and his defensive capabilities, but that's stuff that I think he can bring on. He can he can put on weight. He can learn. He can learn about the grit and grind mentality, even if basically all the grit and grinders are gone. Um, you like that. I'm assuming that the John Morant addition is something uh, you like to given them the best team in the draft. Not as well. It can't just be from Brandon Clark, right? Yeah, I love I love John Morant. I see more De'Aaron than Russell Westbrook in him, which I mean, I, I love De'Aaron Fox and the way he plays. So I see a lot of that in him, and uh, I think I think he's a little bit more uh, athletic than uh, than Fox is. And, um, but I don't know if I'm ready to say or re- ready to predict that he's going to be the best point guard from this draft. Yeah, I, that was the question I was going to ask you. Do you think Jaw? is the best point guard in this draft. I mean, he's the highest-taken point guard, but uh, I th- yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I think coming in, 
Um, I would probably expect him to finish out as the best, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it kind of tilts um, differently. I mean, when you look at the the three point guards, they're all actually the three point guards that were taken in the top ten: him, Darius Garland, Kobe White. They're all relatively similar size. They're all relatively similar ages. There's some differences in their games, obviously, and we're going to see how that plays out. Um, I would, I would lean if, if something, whatever. If Ja can't figure it out, you know, he can't get, can't, can't vibe with the physicality. He doesn't tighten up his handle and his kind of recklessness, and he continues to turn it over too much, and he just kind of slots in as a, you know, a middle of the road starting point guard or whatever. Um, I would expect Kobe to jump up there. I'm. I'm lower than most people on Darius Garland, and, and there there are reasons for that. But I I like Kobe's game. He you know he's a little bit bigger as the point as a point guard at almost six five, but his wingspan is smaller, so we're going to see him play point. I like the speed of pushing it down the floor. I think he can shoot it pretty well. I think he can add more of the passing and stuff as he kind of goes along and learns how to play. Um, so I think if Ja doesn't end up becoming the best point guard from this draft, I would put my money on probably Kobe White. Um, but I, I I do would I would I would bet on Ja first before I kind of thought thought about this. Are you uh, significantly leaning somewhere else other than Ja to be the best in the draft? I I have Ja by a slim margin, and then I have Garland as well, right up there with him. Mm-hmm. I do like Garland a lot. I like. I mean, I just I'm enamored, enamored by his shooting, like everyone else is. And, you know, kind of uh, his ability to kind of ISO and get get some of those pull, pull up jump shots off the dribble. Um, I see that as really valuable. Also, obviously, he's a younger kid and he was injured this past season, so he really couldn't show off everything he had. Which, mm-hmm. which is, you know, is does give you a cause to pause with the injury. But I think he'll be fine. Um, but I mean, are we counting? Barrett as a point guard too, or or I mean, are we saying he's just he's gonna be an off ball kind of guy? Because I I I could see him running uh, the Knicks offense because they have like a bunch of point guards that who knows if they'll ever pan out. Yeah, I mean I don't know if I would count him as a point guard in the traditional sense. Like obviously I think he can he could probably be your primary playmaker, but I'm not sure if he's going right. to be your primary ball handler that you want bringing up the floor every single time, initiating the offense every single time. Um, and so for that reason, I would kind of take him out of that conversation. Um, but it, it, it's we'll see. I mean, we'll see how the Knicks play with his role based on how free agency pans out for them. And, you know, maybe we see him kind of fill that role this first year and then kind of go from there, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you got to assume that he's going to be playing in more pick and roll than he did at Duke. No, certainly. And I, certainly. Saw, I saw a crazy stat that uh, Duke only put Zion in, in seven pick and rolls this year, which, I mean, with, with R.J. Barrett, which, I mean... Does that make sense to you? Uh, yeah, like you gotta you gotta assume the Pels will do the same thing with Zion as well. So yeah, I, I think a lot of the knocks against the Duke guys might have, I mean, might have had to do with the system they're in as well. So I guess we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, I would expect them both to play significantly more pick and roll, both as the ball handler and for Zion as the screener, screener yeah. um, in the NBA. And it's almost malpractice that we didn't get to see more of that. Um, I do also think RJ's an underrated passer, so seeing him play out of the pick and roll, especially with someone like Mitchell Robinson being the screen and roll man, will be uh, exciting for sure and, and help his development 
certainly. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll moving on. Um, we both uh, kind of agreed on the same team having the worst overall draft. We both had the Suns here. Um, we've kind of talked about it already with the Cam Johnson pick. We both of us didn't really understand that. Um, for you, what else went into the fa- went into their draft that made it the worst draft in your mind? I mean, yeah, that was really the big center point. Them, them uh, trading back from six to eleven and not getting a, a point guard. And, <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't too mad at the the Ty Jerome pick. That's that's where I thought he should have went, but that's not going to be. A starting point guard for you, and by any, by any, uh, by any means. So that was, the whole draft was kind of just baffling. I don't know what James Jones is doing. Uh, the Warren, the Warren trade. I mean, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't because I think look just looking at his stats, and you could say they're empty stats, but that's kind of like what he's getting paid now isn't egregious mm-hmm. I don't think and I think uh, I mean I think the, the Pacers are happy to take on that contract so kind of just an amalgamation of all of those moves was really just baffling to me yeah I, um, you know I I don't I didn't like the Cam Johnson pick the Ty Jerome pick makes sense I think that works uh, for them um, obviously they didn't give up a ton to get that pick you know they actually took on Aaron Baines from the Celtics they sent over a future first rounder so we'll see how that pans out I think that pick is fine um, the Cam Johnson pick just doesn't make any sense to me uh, I you know I have heard that that apparently Warren did not want to be there um, he was very vocal about not wanting to be in Phoenix anymore so that kind of makes the deal make a little bit more sense from that point of view but still to have to I don't understand, like, I want to understand what happened with those negotiations because I don't think he was that bad of a contract because he does provide some value that you would have had to give away a pick for him and that you couldn't have gotten anything back. And and that's what's really confusing to me is you gave away the 32 pick, which would have had value, and if you'd kept that, you probably don't make the Cameron Johnson mistake. But you gave away that for a guy who's probably productive in some way, shape, or form, um, just to get him out of there because he didn't like being there, and I think that just kind of shifted their entire draft. Um, and and for me, it's just like when I look at all the teams and what teams did. Yeah, sure, there were some teams that like I wasn't exactly didn't exactly like love some of the stuff they did. Like I I'm, I don't love what the Cavs did. I don't love what the Thunder really did. But at the same time, we we I think there's a little bit of strategy with those two teams. Whereas the Suns, I don't get where their strategies is, where their head is at. I mean, Cam Johnson and Ty Jerome are both guys that are going to struggle playing defensively. I mean, at this point, when you look at their roster before free agency, Aaron Baines plays defense, and uh, so does Mikael Bridges, but, like, no one else who's going to get significant minutes in their rotation is, like, a plus defender. So I, I, I guess if you can say the strategy of we're going, to try and, we're going to try and score a lot, but we're going to give up a ton, that's for sure, is a strategy. I guess that's fine, but to me, I just, like, it seems like they're just kind of, like, running around with their chickens with their heads cut off and they're making picks that don't work don't make sense they're not valuing guys there's just there's just some kind of organizational um chaos at play and it's just yeah so i I hope james jones figures it out because i I actually liked his playing career and uh i mean he can actually think the game pretty well as a player so yeah um you know that doesn't always translate into front office positions but 
he's a shooter, so that may make sense why he took Cam Johnson. But like you said, what happens with with Bridges? Like, how does this kind of fit um, with the current makeup of the team? So, yeah, I hope they figure it out. But uh, and they don't waste uh, whatever Devin Booker has uh, mm-hmm. coming up, his potential. So yeah, so. Certainly, um, if you you don't want to waste what Devin Booker has, and it almost seems like they're set up to do that. But um, moving on from them, uh, final thoughts about the draft. I mean, we covered a lot of my additional th- nuggets I wanted to hit. I wasn't s- entirely certain what the Spurs and the Warriors were doing. Um, I am really excited to watch the Pelicans and the Hawks on League Pass this season. I think both are going to be super fun. Again, depending on what happens during the season, maybe an outside chance that both compete for the playoffs, but I would also not, I would also be perfectly like um, comfortable and expect them both to kind of just win like the low 30s amount of games, if that, but just be exciting and just kind of constantly grow as young cores. Um, I think the Cavs are going to be the mess, be a mess. Um, they, their draft is just like littered with guys that um, their draft and their team is just kind of lit- littered with guys that like are just going to try and get up as many shots as possible. You know, Darius Garland's kind of a black hole. Colin Sexton passes, but like isn't a great passer yet, and he's going to have to compete with Garland, and they both really can only play point guard. Um, I'm really low on Dylan Windler. Um, he just, when I watch his game, he just looks like Doug McDermott again. And I'm just like, why are we wasting a first-round pick on another Doug McDermott? We know what happened with that. Um, Kevin Porter's my favorite pick of theirs, but again, he's a guy that thrives on shots and playing on ball, and their three first-round picks and their current best player outside of Kevin Love, who they might deal, all also thrive being on ball and taking a lot of shots. So um, John Beeline certainly has a uh, quite the uh, quite the test in his first season. But do you have any other final thoughts um, that we didn't hit? I mean, yeah, just, just the one thing I'll add is um, uh, Denver willing to take that calculated risk again with Bull Bull. Obviously, the injury risk and the implications of that. But, I mean, if he can be a player that uh, can contribute to that squad, that'd be, you know, that'd be scary. And we'll see how Michael Porter does this upcoming season. But they've just continued to be willing to take calculated risks here in the draft. And uh, I think that speaks to their front office, Tim Conley. So that was my last takeaway. Yeah. No, um, I think that was uh, – I'm not super high on Bull Bull, but getting him in the second round is a, is a much uh, – is definitely worth the risk because if he pans out, that looks like a genius pick. So I agree with that one. Um, with that, we'll slide from the draft to free agency. We are uh, at this point just a couple hours away from the 6 p.m. Eastern time kickoff from free agency when you are supposed to first start talking to free agents – you know, Omar, we, we don't have any tampering anymore. We've just got guys agreeing to deals, but there's no tampering. It's just a, uh, no one has talked to anybody. They just have just happened to align exactly on a contract already. Um, I mean, let's just stop pretending that, you know, like these tampering rules even matter. That's, I, it would just make it easier if the league just came out and outright said it. But. Yeah, no, I agree. So we, we'll see what happens. Um I was going to say, uh, ask you where you wanted to start, but I think a, a, uh, Woj has just tweeted and given us a place to start. It looks like KD has said that he's going to announce his free agency des- decision tonight on his company-owned sports business network. Um, so given that, where do you think KD is going to go? Do you like the move of him doing another decision, basically? 
I mean, KD can do what he wants, man. He shouldn't. I mean, honestly, he shouldn't have came back and played. Like, he's still gonna get a max offer, obviously, because he's KD. Yeah. Um, I'd be super surprised if he came back and played with the Warriors. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'd be super surprised. The way they handled his injury was terrible. Did you hear what they said about his calf injury? It can't get any worse. Yeah, I. Like, who do? What? Who is a part of your training staff? Who is your lead? You know, athletic trainer that is calling the shots here. Yeah, like, I mean that's that's just honestly like it's almost like malpractice in my opinion, just because like. I've been around medicals a lot. I talk to, you know, my wife is in medical school and we talk about this kind of stuff and it's like, yeah, the statement your calf isn't going to get worse might be accurate, but there also should be a follow-up statement that is, but given that your calf is hurt, you are at severe risk of hurting other things, primarily your Achilles. Because like they can like they can act like the two injuries are unrelated, but the fact of the matter is if your calf is hurt, you're going to have to that 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 energy and pressure's got to go somewhere else in your leg, and so it's going to go to your Achilles, probably, and that's exactly what happened. And so, it's, it's like, for me, it's hard to understand that a Warriors association that, that, that has seemed pretty much pretty on it in most other aspects would just kind of drop the ball so severely here, but they did le- let their trainer from the last couple years go to the Hawks, and we've seen a bunch of injuries since then, so I think we're seeing a pattern, and yeah, for me, um, I don't expect KD to go back. Um, I actually think for both team, for both KD and Golden State, that's just the best option given the situation at play. KD can go somewhere else, I, um, you know, whether it be a New York team or the Clippers or whatever, get set up there with whoever else that team brings in free agency, um, and have his have his year to to do rehab. While Golden State would love to have KD, but having two max players out the entire season will basically make the roster building and the entire the next season a slog and extremely tough on Draymond and Steph so having one of them leave while obviously you don't want to just get rid of a max player I think it almost makes their season easier um if that makes sense yeah I mean look they're obviously they're gonna offer him the max mm-hmm. they obviously oh, want certainly. him to stay he's an all-world yeah, talent yeah. he's I mean he's top three in the league every year um with that said, uh, like like you said, with the with Clay Clay ACL injuries aren't what they used to be. He'll probably be back late February March, I would assume. Um, KD's got an uphill battle ahead of him. Um, I would love to see him go play on the Knicks, and because <laughs> I feel like uh, New York media and KD is a is a match made in hell, and I, I think that would just be great for a great NBA narrative next year. Um, And apparently, like, these Brooklyn talks have kind of died off. Like, I was following it during this whole weekend. uh, Kyrie and KD looked like a lot to go to the Nets. And now it's only Kyrie really going to the Nets. I know I'm jumping around here. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. But, yeah, Kyrie's obviously a a lock to go to the Nets. and, And... KD's decision is kind of up in the air. I don't know if you read um, that KD and Kawhi were having. Yeah, I saw um, that as well. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, I mean, if they both go to the same team, that would be super interesting because you know Kawhi takes the brunt of the effort the majority of the season, and then we maybe we see KD come back late in the playoffs. That's just a devastating combo to deal with, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's okay to jump around at this point. You know, there's a there's a bunch of stuff happening. There's a bunch of stuff that's been reported. 
Um, I'll be interested to see what KD does. I would hope he goes to one of the New York teams. Um, I think that would be the most exciting as well. Um, uh, on that, you did bring up Kyrie. It looks like Kyrie and Brooklyn are locked into a deal, much like uh, Boston is, is locking into a deal with Kimball Walker. And so apparently that is opening up the path for a three-way sign-in trade with the third player being Terry Rozier signing and being traded to the Hornets. So... How do you like? Personally, I've, I'm I'm good with the fit of Kimba going to Boston. If the Hornets are not going to offer him the supermax, they don't deserve a player uh, that good. And honestly, MJ should just sell the team if you're not going to just try and compete. Um, cl- we all know about your MJ bias. Look, I don't have a bias. I'm just saying. I think this is I think this is a fair point to make. If you're not going to pay your guy the supermax, hey, guess what? If if they don't get this sign and trade to happen. If Boston doesn't agree to this, then they don't have the cap room to sign anybody. Like, they're capped out already because they've already given bad contracts to a bunch of other guys, and they're in the definition of salary cap hell. Um, but Yeah, absolutely, but they could literally do nothing this season, have Batum expire next season, I believe, and I think be just have a hard reset by 2021, which, which if you're a Hornets fan, you're not completely against because you've been terrible for the past however many years anyways no yeah i mean i that makes sense i just it's would just, you would you super max kemba if you're the hornets i mean i just it's hard like yes super maxing kemba is committing to a guy that there's a hard argument to make he would ever be the best player in a title team i get that i just also but i also think like there is a little bit of like you gotta at least have this conversation with him and be like look if we supermax you, you know, we can't really do much else. It kind of limits us. And I think it seems like Kemba would have been receptive to, like, not a supermax, you know, scaling it back a little bit. But apparently they weren't even going to offer him, like, the regular max or the supermax. They were just going to – they were just super lowballing him. And I just – I think my issue more is with the just coming out with a super lowball offer. Um, I think in that situation you have to at least be, you know, come with a competitive offer of some kind, you know? Yeah, yeah, I did hear reports about the low balling as well. I, That's my I, issue more. That's my issue more. Let me, I, I should I should explain that. Yeah, my my whole I guess argument was I probably wouldn't super max him either. Would I give him the four year one forty one? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I I probably wouldn't super max him. And if if it was the case that they weren't even offering the the max, then I mean obviously I'd feel disrespected, and he has every right to. You know, search search for being paid for his services rendered elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but if if the Hornets get t- Terry Rozier somehow from this three team trade, that seems like a good consolation, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to. I'm. I think. I think I'm probably higher than Terry Rozier than most people are, um, and so I definitely think it's a fine consolation prize. He's not Kemba, he's not Kyrie, but like at least he's like a competent point guard who can, you know, turn it up when he wants to and and compete at a high level versus, you know, the other point guards they'd be looking at if he they don't make the sign and trade happen is a lot of bottom of the barrel scraping. So yeah, if you can get him, I think you have to. But again, I almost feel like they're gonna be at the mercy of Boston and Brooklyn to make that happen. Are you calling TJ McConnell bottom of the barrel? I mean <laughs> As a starting point guard, baby. I mean, I I love him as a bench piece, but like, if he's going to be your starting point guard, he's no. I, yeah. I completely agree. I'm just trolling. Yeah. No. No. I know. Who, are, uh, who might be listening? Yeah. But so we'll see with that. Um, 
Uh, speaking of guys getting the max, it was reported uh, this afternoon that, or today. It looks like Portland is going to sign Dame to the Supermax extension. I know he's not a free agent this year, and we've got other guys to cover, but would you do that? You wouldn't. Um, I don't think either of us would Supermax Kemba, not necessarily, but do you Supermax Dame? This means he'd get. he's probably going to be getting paid somewhere around the $50 million mark um, in his like 33-year-old season or 34-year-old season. I mean, that's a tough one, right? Because I saw what the Supermax contract looks now with John Wall and after he ruptured his Achilles. And, like, if worst comes to worst, that contract's going to look just as bad, I yeah. think. But uh, in Portland's defense, they were, you know, they, they led the Warriors most of those Western Conference finals, even though. All of us expected them to lose each of those games. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one, really. Yeah. I, 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 I'm on the fence about it, honestly. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think this one is tougher, too. I mean, I, I honestly think the Supermax was almost a bad decision for owners because it gets them in this kind of terrible decision point, arguably. But I think um, if, if you're not going to Supermax Dame... What like kind of my thought is like what are we doing? Should the supermax even be a thing? Because yes, Dame is not a perfect player. Dame has his flaws. He's gonna be super old. He's gonna be older when this deal is at its like most expensive. That is all varies. But Dame has arguably brought you know the Trailblazers to heights that they haven't seen since the seventies when they won the title. He's probably been. He's probably gonna finish as a top five player in their history, if not you know top two, top three. He's, he's exciting. He's shown that he can win at a high level. You know, they got all the way to the Western Conference Finals this year, even without Nurkic. And while you, there could be arguments on the C.J. Dame pairing not be something that you can win a title with, you honestly don't know, especially with the power vacuum that's going to be left with the uh, Warriors injured and probably not at full strength. And so I think if this is the guy, if like you look at Dane, this is a prototypical situation where he probably should get the Supermax, but if even the Supermax looks too expensive then for him, then the Supermax should not be a thing. And we need to like reevaluate how the Supermax is handled or and how it works. Because I think the biggest reason too is how much of the cap he's going to take. And so if that's such a big deal, then what we need to revise the Supermax and this into being something where the Supermax pays, you know, X amount of money, but it counts against your cap at a lesser percentage in order to incentivize both teams and players to go for the Supermax, because we're now at a situation where it almost looks like the Supermax is never the right choice. And At least at least from a team perspective. Yeah, yeah, from a team perspective. And if it's going to be an option in the CBA, then it should have pros for both sides. And right now, it looks like it has pros for just the player side, which is fine. I'm all about these guys getting paid. They deserve to get paid. But... We sh- there should be a reason that the teams want to do it too, and so I think there there should be a way to f- to figure that out. And also, I think players are going to start being more and more dissuaded by it. We've seen a bunch of players turn it down because, again, they can't accept it and then also have a strong team built around them. And so that's where we ha- run into issues. So I think I think this and you know he's going to get it. It looks like 
Um, but the fact that we have to debate about it, I think, indicates that the Supermax needs reworking in some way, shape, or form. And I think the best way to do it is a per where, you know, he, you pay him $50 million, but he only counts against the cap for a lesser percentage or a lesser amount so that you have extra money to work with. I think that's the only way, that the best way to handle it. Yeah, if the, if the cap hit is different, yeah. then I agree. Um, if there's any way to even front load these contracts by yeah. a decent percentage... That would be a workaround as well, in addition to the to the negligible cap hit. Um, but yeah, like you said, it kind of just decimates your cap, and you're unable to build around these players. But from what I've heard, the supermax was implemented so these smaller market teams could have an advantage and really um, keep like superstar level talent. Um, which I mean. It looks like it's not working, so obviously, yeah. you know, it has to be revamped. I agree. So, yeah, I just think I think we got to find a find a way around that, um, and just kind of fix that because, yeah, you know, if Dame got it, but Kemba isn't going to get it and is going to leave. Anthony Davis didn't want it and and left, so you know, it's clearly not working. Um, There's a better solution out there. Yeah, exactly. We and we we got to find it. Um, so. To hit on another big guy, uh, we, so we've seen Clay. He's going back to Golden State for the max. I think that's fair. Um, I'm not sure if you agree there, but kind of want to move past him because I think he's already decided on. What do you think of, we've got rumors that um, D'Angelo Russell, his preferred destination is Minnesota. Um, what do you think of that fit? And probably to make that happen, they have to deal Wiggins or get rid of salary, other significant salary. So Wiggins is probably the likely move. Where do you think Wiggins Wiggins lands? Who do you think takes him on um, in this situation? Oof, that's tough. Honestly, uh, for, oh, well, first I'll start with the uh, the D'Angelo, the D'Lo fit. I, obviously, I love that. Uh, D'Lo and Cat, that would be an exciting offense, but defensively that looks pretty hideous. And uh, Well, yeah, but I they, mean, they've got, you know, they drafted Jarrett Culver. They got Rocco on the on the roster, so it looks like they have options to help them defensively. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree with you. I, I was honestly rooting for Clark to end up there as well. If they could find a way to get Brandon, they could have found a way to get Brandon Clark next to Cat. That would have been great as well. Um, but yeah, you do make some good points. They do have some weak, good wing defenders there. Um, with the Wiggins move, I'm not sure who's going to be sold on uh, eating up that contract. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely think there's GMs who could talk themselves into believing uh, Wiggins could at least be the second best player on the championship team. But yeah, who who do you, who's out there that can actually take on that contract I mean, with it's... with little salary? Like giving back without to, yeah to without them. without matching salary happening right. yeah it, it, it it's it's going to be a tough situation because um, there's not a ton of cap out there um, for a ton of teams and so well I mean we'll see he's making twenty seven million that's just a hefty price I mean it's almost like the Suns are aimless might as well call them up and see if they've got <laughs> any thoughts like something like that or like you know uh, I don't know the, if the Clippers strike out on everybody. You know, there's there's probably some there's probably some people that they'll they'll call up and see, but um, it'll be a tough way to fit. But I'd love to see D'Lo going uh, to uh, Minnesota. I, I like the fit as well. I just think the it'll unlock their offense. Him and Cat playing off each other. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I can't see Jerry West allowing the Clippers to <laughs> to make that move for Wiggins even yeah. if they do miss out on Kawhi and KD. Um, but yeah, I, I hope they do find a way to get that done. Yeah. Um, all right. I think the, the 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 next the last big one that we haven't really talked to talked about at all here is what's going to happen. Um, kind of with all the Philly guys, specifically Jimmy, um, because I, I I read something reporting earlier today that said that Philly was willing to offer Tobias the full five year max, but not willing to offer Jimmy the full five year max, and that uh, you know we've obviously heard Daryl Morey say we, the Rockets want to get in on that on a sign and trade situation. Now there's significant rumors that Jimmy wants to be in Miami, and that he's even going to tell Miami that that's his preferred destination. Um, obviously Miami would have to do and sign and trade because they don't have any cap room. Um, which of these destinations do you think is a better fit or do you want to see him go back to Philly? What are, you, what are your thoughts on all the uh, Jimmy-related news we're seeing? As someone who hates the Sixers, I love that Jimmy wants to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I don't really want to see him go back to Philly. Obviously, I think that would be the right choice for him to, if he wants to win. Like, if the Sixers just ran it back, yeah. essentially, uh, with Toby and Jimmy. Um, but I think it would make for a better narrative if he was on the Rockets. Seemingly, uh, CP3 and James Harden have beef now, and just adding Jimmy to that. Again, <laughs> a, a match made in hell. Great yeah. NBA narrative. Um, but I think I think he's going to end up in Miami here. I, yeah. Uh, it seems that he was tweeting with Dwayne Wade. Um, he's talking with Chad Ojusinko about right after I get this uh, this deal done, we'll we'll hang out, we'll we'll play one on one. So I feel like he's just gonna be staying in Miami. Yeah, uh, Jimmy coming to Miami is certainly exciting for me as a Heat fan and just having a, a player of his caliber. Um, however, I am very worried about what we're gonna give up. To get him because it sounds like we're probably just going to get up, give up all of our young guys. Because if I was Philly, that's what I would ask for. It's basically all of these heat young guys who can do good things. Um, especially someone like Josh Richardson who can do good things, but don't need to be the first option, and they would fit perfectly because Josh Richardson can hit threes and play defense. Um, but yeah, for me as a Heat fan, it's going to be yeah. We have Jimmy. How is Jimmy going to? work with Hassan Whiteside, who we already know is a basket case and I don't think should be on the team because I don't think he provides positive value given his contract salary. Um, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be somewhat of a mess, but um, I can't be disappointed with getting a good player, I think is the best way to put it. How um, else is left there in Miami? I mean... After that potential trade. I mean, so what, what do we think the trade looks like? It's probably Josh Richardson. It's probably Bam... It's probably like Derek Jones. Yeah, I mean that that right there is about fourteen million. So I don't think that covers all of it. Um, but I guess because Philly doesn't have a ton of guys on roster right now, they'd be able to they'd be able to handle that um, sign and trade. I don't think they have to completely match the salaries. Um, but if they do, all they have to do is throw like Ryan Anderson in there or something because Ryan Anderson's partially guaranteed, and then they just wave Ryan Anderson, and that fixes it all. But, I mean, then you're looking at a lineup that's like Goran Dragic, Hassan Whiteside, Jimmy, I guess James Johnson, and then I don't – does Deion Waiters start? If they keep Justice Winslow, Justice Winslow would start, but do they keep him or do they have to send him out? Do they start – I don't – like, that. That's that's where it gets that's where it gets squirmy for me because then the Heat's 
the Heat's lineup and depth are just kind of gone. And yeah, we have a really good player in Jimmy, but like Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside are like not a great pairing. Like they were the centerpieces to a team that was filled with young players and we didn't make the playoffs this year. And so if you just replace all of the young players with Jimmy, I don't know how much higher they can climb as a team. And I think it's kind of, we're kind of looking at like a 45 win team that sneaks into the eighth seed and then has to deal with, you know, Milwaukee or the Sixers or, you know, Toronto if Kawhi stays in the first round. And I don't think that's a, uh, that's a recipe for a first round exit quickly. I mean, maybe that's what Jimmy wants though, is the ball more in his hands and he didn't like deferring. Yeah. Uh, even though they, they got him, the, uh, they got him the ball more and, I think, I don't know, though, because he, he, doesn't he want to win? I can't see, I mean, no offense, you're a Heat fan, but I can't, I can't see that being a winning combination there in Miami. But yeah, um, apparently players really respect Pat. And yeah, no. obviously, Spo is an uh, all-time great coach. So No, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I too, think it would be more interesting if Jimmy went to Houston. Um in that we would see Houston have to probably sell out all of their depth, and then you just have Jimmy, you know, Harden and Chris Paul all again, ball dominant guys who need the ball to do be at their best, and kind of like a cast full of whatever they can fill it out with because you're not keeping Clint Capella, you're not keeping PJ Tucker, you know, you're not keeping the key pieces, you're not keeping Aaron Gordon in that situation. Um, that would be interesting because I honestly I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, they they have to be prohibitive favorites in the West. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to win a lot of games, but uh, you know, um, I don't think see that as the. Is everyone going to end up fighting each other? Yeah, by the like end of the season? how how many weeks? How many weeks until Jimmy comes into a practice and just throws out a bunch of line, just makes fun of everybody, like, and uh, you know, actually goes at James Harden is like you aren't that good or something like that because. You know, I respect Jimmy and his competitiveness, but you know he would 100% come into a practice and light it up. Um, Absolutely. So, um, kind of reaching uh, the end of the big names here, like I said, I think we're going to see a, a, a flurry of deals right at six. It looks like um, Harrison Barnes looks like he's going to get four and four years, $88 million from the Kings. Vucevic is going to get four years, $100, $100 million from the Magic. Valanchunas, three years, 45 from the Grizz. Uh, any of those jump off the page is something you want to get in, in, in the weeds for. I think uh, arguably all of those are overpays in my opinion, but I think a lot of guys are going to get overpaid. So, Yeah, well, I, I don't understand the value in bringing Barnes back for four years. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to pay him with the $22 million a year, like two years and maybe a team option for the third, like was – the value for Barnes really that high on the market this early? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't work in a front office, but obviously, to me, that doesn't... He didn't even really do that well the second half of the season on that team. Yeah, so... So, that one was definitely head-scratching to me. The Vucevic thing, I mean, he's the best player on the Magic, so uh, they felt obligated, maybe, to give him that contract. Mm-hmm. But again, it's Not a sure. it's a four year deal, so just 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 out on Bo, Mo Bamba as like a starting caliber center. Like, That's what I'm saying, and I'm like, a huge Bamba fan, so I wanted to see him develop, and it doesn't seem like he'll get the chance. Yeah, and then I guess Valanciunas three forty five. I mean, that's average value of fifteen a year. Like, I guess that's fine. I still think that's 
pretty much an overpay. Like, I don't see how many teams are going to be lining up to give Valanchunas more than, like, 12 or 10 a year, but the Grizzlies... I'm not terribly upset at that. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's a short contract. It's yeah. I, was, I think I was more worried that they were going to overpay him worse or give him more year, like, give him four years, and so I guess three is... In, in, in the context of things, three is probably fine, and he isn't that old yet, so... I think it works out, and it, you know he can be your bench center and kind of dominate against bench units. Yeah, um, he'll be interchangeable with uh, Triple J and, and Clark up there. I, I think I'm not mad at that. Yeah, um, I think the final thing I wanted to hit. It looks like uh, Bojan Bogdanovic is gonna uh, is in talks. The Jazz are the you know leader in the clubhouse to get him away from the Pacers. I, I think that's a pretty good fit for them, um, you know, putting him on that on a front on a starting lineup with Mitchell Conley and um, Rudy Gobert. You know, you've got the wings and the the center to cover up defensively for Conley and Mitchell when they're not on their peak. You know, Bogdanovich is a guy who can create his own shot, but also make shots off of passing and stuff. I like that fit, and you know, him and Ingles can kind of tag team the three four role, and I don't think you're losing too much. Um, I do think that probably means we're going to see them move Derek Favors in some way, some way, shape, or form, which is probably good. But what do you think about that uh, fit? I mean, yeah, I, I love Bogdanovich from, like, I think the 30 games he played on the Wizards for that one season. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a great shooter. You can say he can surprisingly get his own shot sometimes for, for against, I guess, average defenses. He kind of struggles uh, in the playoffs when he doesn't have better players around him. You saw that this year. Um, yeah, that, that'd be definitely a loss for the Pacers. So I guess they'd be more willing to go in on Warren, I guess. Yeah. We, we discussed earlier. Um, yeah, definitely a good move for the Jazz. Jazz fans would love that. You know, they're somewhat racist and um, they love Joe Ingles and they love their <laughs> white players. So, uh That'd be great for the Jazz, but that, that aside, good fit um, chemistry-wise. Uh, I like what the Jazz have done getting Conley. Um, I'm excited to see where they end up with their chain-smoking coach. Um, <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the one player we haven't really hit on is Kawhi Leonard. We, none of us have given yeah. predictions on where we see him going. Yeah, I mean, I... Honestly, at this point, it kind of I feel like he might be going to the Clippers. I guess I. I mean, we haven't really talked about the Lakers at all. They made the deal with the Wizards earlier this week to clear max space. I don't see Kawhi going to the Lakers. While I understand he goes there, they're all three of them. They can all get their load management. And, you know, everyone can miss fifteen to twenty games, and they're still going to be at the top of the Western Conference and probably roll right on through the playoffs. Um, and I, I understand the appeal there. I do think the on the court fit is not going to be as is not going to be pristine. And then I also think the attitude fit is not going to be pristine. I'm not sure. You know, Kawhi just seems like a go with the flow guy, but also at the same time, he's going to have to deal with all the lights and the glitz and the glamour. And maybe he doesn't want to have to deal with that. So I would I say if he doesn't commit to the Clippers with KD right at the start, I think he goes back to Toronto. Um, what would your prediction be? Clippers need to free up space to get two max contracts, right? Yeah, but they, I'm pretty sure they can do that pretty easily. With the Gallinari? Yeah, yeah. Gallinari, the with, Gal- Gallinari. with the Gallinari situation. 
Yeah, I, I can see Kawhi going to the Lakers. Honestly, my Kawhi fandom would be over if he went to the Lakers. Mm. I'm just going to put that out there. I would be super disappointed with him teaming up with Braun and AD. Yeah. And we're going to have this conversation about how LeBron just devastates rosters when he goes to different teams. Oh, yeah. To make sure he's teamed up with at least two other all-stars, if not superstars. Uh, we'll have that conversation another day. But, yeah, I'd be pretty upset if he went to the Lakers. Uh, to me, it it seems like a two-way race between the Clippers, even without KD and the Raptors. I uh, can't really see him going to the Knicks yeah. or, or any other squad. So yeah, it, uh, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping he stays in Toronto for another year. Yeah, it looks like uh, the Clippers have about $80 million in cap holds, so all they have to do is basically renounce all those holds. And that doesn't include Gallinari, who I guess they might look to move in that situation if they get both KD and Kawhi. Because um, their their capitals are Wilson Chandler at about nineteen million, Garrett Temple at fifteen million, Jermichael Green at fifteen million, Patty Bevs at ten million. So, right there, that's almost all the money you need just when those four guys and just renounce all of them and you get to that number. So, that's yeah. what I'll have to do. Uh, just a, just a quick stat for the listers. Uh, apparently. 200 players will be free agents at 6 p.m. That's about 40% of the NBA. Yeah, so wow, that's a it's lot. Gonna be, it's going to be a fun one. So guys are certainly going to get overpaid. I think we'll probably see that happen. Um, maybe we won't see guys get overpaid the same way they did in the 2016 summer where everyone got way too much money over way too many years. Um, I think we'll see a lot of longer deals, but or, I mean a lot of more expensive deals for less time, like a lot of one, maybe two-year deals, but the guy's probably getting paid, you know, three, four, five million over his market value, arguably. I think we'll see more of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your Kawhi take. I think seeing him go to LA will be kind of disappointing based on the mythos he's created, but if he goes to the, if he goes to the Lakers at least, whereas if he goes to the Clippers, that's a little different. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's going to be exciting here at the start. Um, anything else you want to hit on about free agency? Any hot predictions that we haven't come over, given out that you want to, you know, highlight? Um, I mean, my only takes are Katie's going to the Knicks. I'm pretty confident in that. Okay. Uh, pretty, I mean, this isn't a hot take. Jimmy's going to go to Miami. You guys are going to win 40 games or so. Um, not much has been said about Middleton. Are we just writing him in with the Bucks, yeah, it's every, everyone just assuming you'll sign back. I think most of the uh, reporting I've seen is the Bucks are going to come right at the gate with the full the full boat option for him, and that uh, almost a lack of news is the best thing for the Bucks. And that it seems like if the Bucks come with that full boat, he's going to just slide right back onto the team, which I, I like. I think he's a he's a great second option next to Giannis. He fits well. So right. Uh, yeah, I think he definitely knows his uh, his role there. And then my last question would be to you is your your favorite player. Where do you think your favorite player Jabari Parker ends up? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he probably gets. He's probably gonna um, not get offered nearly as much money as he wants somewhere, and then just settle somebody who probably just needs cap space and just wants to give him an opportunity or needs to fill cap space and fill a roster spot and wants to give him an opportunity to kind of rehab some of his value. You know? Okay. You, fair, want, fair. you, you want him back in Washington? I, would, I mean, the Wizards aren't going to be competing for anything anytime soon, so I wouldn't mind just seeing him, you know, back yeah. on the Wizards for, for 
obviously a good contract. I'm not trying to overpay the kid. He doesn't play any type of defense, but he, he can't get up and down the floor and, uh, you know, he's, a, he's athletic, but um, I'd rather them retain Bobby Portis over Jabari Parker, but mm-hmm. all that's up in the air. So. Yeah, um, yeah, the Wizards will be interesting too, but I don't expect much competition from you guys. Uh, going forward, I mean, uh, you know, I kind of the 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 before we go out the final, it's kind of been settled. It looks like that Kyrie's going to Brooklyn, and Brooklyn's just kind of out on D'Lo. I personally don't love that, given we just saw Kyrie do two years at a team with a bunch of young assets and a good young core, and it didn't end very well. And that's exactly what Brooklyn is. So what do we do? You know. Um, <laughs> What what's what's happening here? Whereas Brooklyn's got a good general manager and a good young coach who have a good young core and they run stuff and they play hard, which is what the definition of Boston was before they traded for Kyrie, and then it's kind of ended poorly and gotten worse as time has gone on. But Brooklyn's just going to be like, let's let's run that back and see if it can we can make it happen correctly here. Like uh, that. I think there's less pressure in. Brooklyn, though, and I think oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I think possibly the the egos are a little, or even the personalities, hopefully mesh better in Brooklyn. That's probably what the front office is thinking. I don't think Kyrie got along with Jalen Brown at all. No. Tatum, Tatum post Mamba. I don't think. Well, yeah, Kyrie didn't. I don't think them two got along pretty well either. Yeah, well, Kyrie didn't get along with Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown's an actual smart person and Kyrie's like a pseudo-smart guy, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, that's that's part of the beauty of the NBA. You have these guys who have just outlandish personalities and it just makes the games that much funner to watch, just kind of like the second the, oh. the second parallel narrative along with the actual on-court game. I do appreciate that about the NBA. Yeah, no, um, for sure. So, but I'm super excited for 6 p.m. Eastern time. Um, thanks for coming on and talking draft and free agency. Um, it's going to be an interesting season for sure, based on what happens. Uh, any final, final, final quip to go out on, or you can, you bet you about good. Just the final, final. I'd love to see Love somehow get to the Blazers. I agree with and that. And I think. Boogie ends up on the Lakers in late free agency. Okay, yeah. I, I yeah. Would, I'd love to see Kevin Love move. Um, my only other thing is I, um, I would actually like to see uh, if the Lakers find out that they're not going to get Kawhi to go after one of the point guards and see if they can make a late pitch to whether it be Kemba, D'Lo, or Kyrie. I think that would, any of them would be interesting there. I don't think any of that happens. I also don't think the Lakers were smart enough to be like, Middleton would be perfect here. Let's try and get him away from the Bucks, which, you know, is kind of sad, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And then uh, my final note also would be I think where Horford goes could be have significant impact, if, especially if he goes to a team that's already a playoff contender and can kind of change what they're looking at going forward. Um, but thanks for joining me to talk all this stuff. It's been great. Um, we've got a good back and forth going. We definitely missed you on the uh, – mock draft pod and so i was glad that you could come on this one um and so before we go out thanks for uh listeners thanks for listening uh you know rate review subscribe and we'll talk to you next week